Clara Bow, I think, um, falls in this interesting sort of category. Well, it's not actually interesting. We're just, we are not interesting as people, I guess, you and I. <laughs> Especially me, I guess. And, and here's the oh, thing. Yeah, uh, like, I've heard the name a million times. Yes. You know what I mean? Greta Garbo is another one. Right. And yet, it's just a total mystery to me until we decided to, to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the glories of this podcast, I have to say. One of the things I like about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of forces you to open your, open your, open up our world a little. When am I really going to watch Clara Bow? And it's right. like, I'm so happy I did. Yes, me too. Clara Bow has a sort of like we talked about. Like there's, there are certain actresses and actors, I would say too, whose beauty is so top notch, so incredibly attractive that you actually begin to f- see how people dopely fall in love with movie stars. Right. And at the same time, this is a per- this is a woman who's a great example of somebody who not only has that quality, that sort of magnetic quality that a screen requires sometimes of its stars, she's also a hell of an actress. Yeah, for sure. But technically, she was a solid actress. Billy Wilder said that the only um, the only action or the only actor he ever met aside from Marilyn Monroe who had flesh impact mm-hmm. who could become three dimensional a film was was Clara Bow. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. And you know, he was he was kind of started working when she was ending working. So it right. wasn't like he was the contemporary. He just saw it as a fan first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's, and he's right. She had the quality. She had a quality. Yeah, like, I mean like really any other actress I, I think I've ever seen. There are some okay, yeah, maybe. There there's like um we talked about like these like uh, Gene Tierney was one who sort of blew yeah. our socks off, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, Betty but, Davis, who's maybe maybe the greatest female actor I can think of. Oh no, no, I'm talking about about how the, how the visual appeal first. Right. That's Marilyn may be the only other one. Well, wait, wait. Uh, Tierney, okay. Gene Tierney, the ones right. we've sort of felt that way, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a split on Lana Turner, I guess, but a lot of people have felt like she was one of those. Right. Obviously, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Um, also, a uh, big time is um, Hedy Lamar. Yes, that's true. Hedley. Hedy. Hedy Lamar had a uh, um, you know an interesting other aspect to her too, and I think mm-hmm. that's what's missing from the others. Marilyn Monroe. Um, a good case can be made that she was actually pretty smart. Right. Um, right, but played the dumb characters and that yeah. carried over, and that was considered part of her and persona, that be regardless, because that was part of the curse of knowing that she's smart. Is like, is she just smart in comparison to who she, we think she is? <laughs> right. Um, Jean Tierney. I mean, I, I, she was beautiful, but that's just kind of it. There's a magnetism there. Right. Hedy Lamar is one who started to get like, wow, she's beautiful and like was, was an amazing mind. Like yeah, and later this, on, turned out to be an inventor of stuff that we're using for cell phone technology today. Was doing it at the time, and it was just totally dismissed. And you know, we have an episode. I think it's episode. 50 where we, we talk about that a bit. Yeah, yeah. Clara Bow is, is a slight departure from that. I think that she she matches Hedy Lamar in terms of her visual magnetism, maybe even more. Right. Possibly more. Possibly more. Her second layer isn't that she's smart, although and there's every indication that she was. Mm-hmm. It's that she was a good person, like a really decent human being. Well, there's also this quality about her too, which is she's also a Theodore Dreiser novel, I mean, in a certain sense. Like yeah. her story, her backstory is every bit as interesting as anything is what you see her do on a, on a screen. Like yeah. Her backstory is fascinating, right? She's from yeah. Brooklyn. We really should make a, a, a film about Clara Bow. There's a bio. Yeah, I think it would be show. fucking interesting. Yeah, I know the actor. I know the actress who could play her too. I, you know what? I was going to give you time. Wh- who? So I think Scarlett Johansson. 
Facially, she's very much she 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 has exactly the, the the face shape is right yeah. there. You know who I was going to say is who's the woman from Weeds, Mary Louise Parker. Mary Louise Parker. I don't know her that well. Okay. okay. Yeah. Anyway, they probably wouldn't be able to do justice because this. Yeah, it would be hard to do justice. But I'm sorry. So yeah, she's born in 1905 in Brooklyn. Go ahead. Right. And she's born uh, under in, in incredibly povertous. Povertous. Situation. Yeah. She's yeah, got yeah. she's got a lot of that poverty stuff going. Yeah. On. Like like the, you she's know like. Poor. Yeah, the cold water flats in Brooklyn. You know, the the, the eight floor walk up with no elevator. It's yeah. just like the whole nine yards, living in you know dead horses in the street. I mean, she she was living yeah. like the early the, the turn of the century uh, shithole New York life. I went to one of those tenements. Tree grows in Brooklyn. Or in in, in um, I don't know if it's Manhattan or Brooklyn. I forget. But it was a fourth floor walk up tenement, and it's a museum now. It's, oh really? It's a museum of the tenements, and they showed how on the fourth floor they had this enormous shit bucket. It, and like somebody was tasked each like three days with with walking that down four flights of stairs, right? And then throwing it in the street. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so so she lives in these conditions. She also lives in like this this sort of not uncommon sort of connective tissue, which is that she has parents who are a nightmare. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Her parents are her parents are mentally. Um uh, they're damaged. Well, her mother was mentally ill, certainly, yeah. right? Her father, maybe. Hard I, to say. Her father molested her. I yeah. Mean, well, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean was, he was he was he was garbage. But yeah, he was a garbage person, and she's by all appearances was a garbage person because uh, the mother that is because the mother. Um, uh, tried to kill her with a butcher knife yes. at one point. Woke right? her up in the middle of the night. Well, what had happened was she's pulling a Henry Hill. Claire, <laughs> well, that'd be Karen. Karen, <laughs> we needed the money, Karen. So, so um, Claire Bow enters a, a contest to be like um, be in a movie, like right. have a walk on, basically in a mm-hmm, movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she she enters the contest, and at her father's sort of insistence, right? Right. Now, at the, later on, it's discovered that the father has is attracted to her, obviously. Yeah. Well, he molested her, and then and then and then took you know took advantage of her um, her eventual star power, generosity, generosity, too. generosity or yeah. guilt, or I don't know the fucked up thing Whatever that parents is, yeah. do. They'll yeah. fuck you up, your mom and dad. That, you know that poem by Philip Larkin? No. He's this great old English poet. It's, the first line is, they'll fuck you up, your mom and dad. It's like, ah, oh, it's so great. He never left his hometown. <sighs> wow. Anyway, so um, uh, she goes out and, and she shoots a scene, a walk-on in this movie, mm-hmm. comes back, uh, is all excited by it, and the mother is, is incensed that she's yeah. done this like terrible, horror terrible, horrible horror thing, thing right? Yeah. And she wakes up with a butcher knife. Uh, Clara Bow has to sleep on the streets for a couple of days before her mom comes down, comes yeah. back to the place. Meanwhile, she's actually already been in a film, and she's like homeless, her mother's chasing her with a knife. Right? <laughs> yeah. So the big tragedy here is she tells all her, her Brooklyn buddies, yeah. like, Come see me in this movie, and it, she it ends up she, she, got the, a, she got the most Hollywood of all possible the cutting room floor. Yeah. She was cut out of the movie, so she was uh, like pinned as a liar. Fucking terrible. Yeah, and so you know, um, but she still has the bug, right? Yeah, and she still has it. She still she starts pursuing it full time, full time yeah. and hardcore. You know, she wants to be the star. Yeah, and so yeah, she looks in. She makes about three or four films in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little bit parts. Yeah, you, but you can see. I mean, yeah. they. I saw a documentary where where they were got a couple of archive, you know, reels. Oh, she definitely stands out, even in these small parts. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah, she's one of these people who makes an impact. But she just, yeah, she, she. I think make an impact is probably the best way to put that. Yeah. So um, so she heads out to Hollywood and she starts making silent films and, and she's working her way up there because. She's amazing. Yeah. She has a magnetism, and she makes some money, and her dad comes out, 
and starts leeching off her. Right, right. The mother's at home, and he he actually comes out to tell her that finally her mother's died. Right. Which is not Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it yeah. turns out, by the way, her mother had been a prostitute. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, right, hard so times. Wow. Yeah, welcome to Brooklyn. Well, a little hypocrisy, wouldn't you say? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Welcome yeah. to Brooklyn. <laughs> There's something about that time period. It's like, it's, like I said, it's a Theodore Dreiser novel. Everybody, every every third person is going to be a hooker. Yeah. So, but anyways, um, yeah. So she she's out there, and she. Uh, what was her first big crunch? What was her big? Uh, God, I don't remember, but but I mean we can. Sk- I really don't remember. It's just it, all right. Let's shall we just get to the movie. I thought about it, but yeah. So, so there's two movies that come out in twenty seven, in nineteen twenty seven. The second one is is this one that almost deserves. I I think maybe its own podcast. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's the the first best a, picture winner. And it's, it's a wings. movie we're going to get to at some point. Yeah, yeah. Howard Hughes's Wings, mm-hmm. and and she's top billed on that. Although I think that she had the second sort of like um, heaviest part. It. Right. But but earlier that year, um, the studios decided to put something together, and it was this. There was this Eleanor Glynn novel called It, mm-hmm. and it was a novel that was based on this sort of like philosophical, social, cultural idea that that Eleanor Glynn had. And it was there's there's a type of person who has it. Right. It could be a man, it could be a woman, and it is a sort of ineffable quality. I've used that twice yeah. today. Ineffable quality that's like you just know it when you see it. It's right. more than good looks, although that has to be there too. It's right. more than like mm-hmm. an interesting personality. It's it's a sort of like bam. Magnetism. What does Michael Corleone call it? Like the the thunderbolt. The thunderbolt. The thunderbolt, right? Yeah, that's what he's talking about getting, talking about getting some fine Italian trim there, but yeah. Monday, Thursday, Thursday, Saturday, Man, I'm still going to screw that. <laughs> so, um, so so yeah so so this to make this screenplay um, uh, uh, and they're gonna make a film and they're gonna put Clara Bow in it yes and the studio says look to um, the author Glenn mm-hmm. um, look we'll give you fifty thousand dollars if you go on a tour and say that Clara Bow is it. it she has it right and so Glenn is like all right you know oh, I'm an author but I'm also a sellout that's okay, fifty grand yeah come on and and she met Clara Bow and said oh well, you blew it I would have said this without the fifty thousand dollars because this woman does. does. She is one, the one in the ten thousand. Yeah. It's easy to see. And it's what we've been talking about for this this whole time. She has this quality. Yeah. That just comes across. It's a, there's a magnetism, uh something she's joyful to watch. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And she's complete. I don't know. That's yeah. crazy. So the but, film the film has this sort of meta quality, which is like the book is uh-huh. part of the film. Like like it starts with um well there's this guy who's who's inherited <laughs> a department store. Right. Right? And, and his best friend. His best friend's Monty. He's Monty. the most ghoulish most ghoulish <laughs> there's something about his eyes that are just fucking horrifying. Yeah. I don't know what it is. His eyes wash out but he's in a, half the screen. He's got a great physicality for just being a goofball. Oh, right? He has maybe he has maybe my favorite line of the whole, the whole, yeah. the whole movie. He looks at him. He looks at him and he goes, "I wonder, do you have it, old fruit?" Yeah, and, and you know, he said fruit. When yeah, he yeah, said yeah. It too. yeah. So I mean, so he's anyway, the, gay. he's gazing through this book, mm-hmm. this it book, and you know, he's trying to figure out, "Do I have it?" Well, right. certainly I do. But he's looking around. No, most over, people overlooks don't the fact that it. his best friend, the guy who owns the department store, yeah. has it much more than he does. But he doesn't have it either. Well, not really. No, no. But he spots Clara Bow's character who does. Right, and, and, and Clara Bow plays uh, classically, you know, like the the shop girl, basically yes. in a large mm-hmm. department store, yeah. in, in ties or something, 
and and you know and she's also not only like is she like a struggling shop girl mm-hmm. but she's a really really good person she's yes. better than her co-workers yeah she has a situation where she's she's letting a, friend. a friend yeah who's an unwed mother right ooh, 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 boo, boo. who uh, got sick and so because she is uh, because she is ill she can't work to support her child so Clara Bow steps in like a friend friend mm-hmm. and does the necessary right right so it's like yeah, it's what's clear is like in 1927 this Clara Bow's character the it girl is making a sort of moral stand without without saying it yeah. she's living it which is like yeah what else would you do right. have yeah, her on the streets you know? <laughs> a good person she hasn't committed a moral crime here calm yeah. down everyone mm-hmm. except for the kid well, that makes her a horror, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so it's like the, all of that's going on. And, and yeah, go ahead. No, I just... Well, there's I, a confusion in the film, and, and the confusion, the sticking point... It, it would just be this. It would just be like a, a man like a, trying, like to, trying to chase the it girl. That would be it, or, she, or her trying to chase him. And well, then there's always the classic misunderstanding. And because of right. the, because of this is a movie of its time and place, yeah. it's the morality tale about the mom, right? That comes into it. Which these two old bitty social workers come by right. to check and well, see well, whose baby is good this. care of this child. So because you're a to, single mother. We're going to take it and we're going to hand him off to some pirates <laughs> off the coast. And Clara Bow steps in basically to say... I do. It's my baby and I have a job. But now there's a little bit of... Yeah, her having a job helps. Yeah. Um, but I think those the morality of 1927 would still have a problem with her. So it's still a bold choice that she's yes. doing this. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so a couple of things happen. Monty, that old... The, the old, old fruit, fruit himself. Fruit! Comes by. He has a little thing for her, but he also is willing to sort of step aside because his his buddy, the he guy also who owns zero cojones, yeah, <laughs> does our money. The <laughs> other guy, the guy who owns the department store, who's kind of the leading man, yeah, um, has eyes for her, right? And so Monty overhears this mm-hmm. and and conveys in a very like Shakespearean slash Three's Company way conveys <laughs> the misinformation back to his buddy. Jack. So now this guy is like stuck with like I like her, she's it, but she's obviously a morally corrupt, you know, bankrupt person. Right? right, so and then there's a um, a, a, an so extra he sort of sure, ridiculous an offer. Well, wait, wait, there's an extra ridiculousness because for some reason a newspaper man, as they always are, are is hanging around and decides <laughs> this is like a scoop he's got to get. So her the, the yes, event okay. goes in the paper as well, which mm-hmm. is this extra social pressure. Yeah. Uh, and the and the newspaper uh, man was played by a young Gary Cooper, right? Which I didn't realize that at the time, so I have to go back and watch that. But yeah. okay, so anyway, so no, with with this in mind, he decides. Well, he loves her enough to make her an offer to make him make her his mistress. Yeah, and she, having some kind of some kind of moral uh, you know courage of her own, says, "I go fuck yourself. I'm not going to do that." And and she should have explained herself. She tries to almost, but for some reason, oh no, those, the old lady, those, those two biddies show up. <laughs> so she has to lie she again. No explaining the goddamn thing. At yeah. That point. Anyway, so it's and obviously and there's a there's a a, a, a very you know a beleaguered um, fiance of this guy who's kind of getting the short shrift of the whole thing. Right. Yeah, but. It's it's like um, I don't know what the term is. I forgot what it is in Rom-com. literature, but it's like no, no, no. The the attractive sort of pixie like woman who's also sort of like one of the guys. It's it's like the, the fantasy sort of woman in a sense, right? Yeah. It turns out that's more fantasy really than like the Pamela Anderson type. It's like you know what I mean? Like, right. Sure. So so the, all this all this ridiculous stuff happens on a boat, and it's like, but there are just moments in this film when when the director really understands what to do is just to backlight her. Yeah. 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 Twirling her hair or something, and you just fall in love with whatever she thinks must yeah. be right. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, she's a great actor. Her expressiveness in something. It's a silent film. Did we even mention that? 
Oh, I'm sorry. It's a silent, <laughs> it's a silent film. Well, it's just a you don't even notice it. It doesn't really matter because her her ability to convey through her physicality is really impressive in this movie. If if you're a fan of the the 19 uh, the 2010 or 11 film The Artist, um, the actress who plays the actress in there, the, uh, the Pepe character, modeled herself after uh, Clara Bow in this movie. Well, that's the other thing about her, which is fantastic, is that she's like a cultural she's a cultural lightning rod yeah. in several different ways. I mean, first off, she was like the representative of the flapper generation. Like yeah, she was the sure. movie flapper of all time. She's um, she's about 50% of Betty Boop, if you've ever heard of her. Right, right. Apparently the, the boop, boop, doop, that comes from somebody else, yeah. but, but the physicality, like the physical look and all that is, is largely based on Clara Bow. She was, the, the word, the it girl, okay, the movie was called It, mm-hmm. right? The, the movie, and it was about the it girl. She became the it girl, and the yeah. it girl has been a thing in Hollywood since then. Yeah, yeah, it's been this, diluted a couple of times, but I, yeah, I agree with you. Well, the thing is, so, so we go back to this character, right? This character who only makes it out of the Brooklyn tenements, who's kind to her father when she doesn't have to be, Shut who makes me. it through all this sort of stuff. And, you know, famously, she didn't act famously. In other words, like, she had money, but she she would, like, the stories are that she would rather hang out with the crew yeah. than, than the producers, mm-hmm. and, and that when she went to parties, she would show up in a bathing suit and, like, ah, come on, let's have fun! And people are like, whoa, well, I never monocle Flipping and <laughs> pearl clutching. She kicked over the fondue pot. Yeah, and 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 so it, at first it was like that yeah. that people liked her for it, mm-hmm. and the newspapers liked her because she would just sit down and say, "Oh yeah, well my mother had mental illness. Here's how that works." Right. And they were like, "Oh, we got the scoop." And then it turns out, no, she was just she really was open. <laughs> so it was really cool for a while, but then what happened was the Hollywood elites. Uh, I hate to say that term now, but mm. the the actual Hollywood elite. There, there were five of them at the time. Right. Um, <laughs> Started to turn on her because, and because, as she would later say, a lot of them came from the same situation I did, but no one wanted to admit it. They wanted to cover that story, and when I was just open about it, they kind of turned on me. They despised her. So someone like Joan Crawford, who was an initial friend, mm-hmm. but also someone who She's really looked out for her career, yeah, yeah. Um, um, re- rejected her. And then there was like a newspaper article that came out finally that was like a, a gotcha, but it was not just gotcha. It was like that she had had like incest and bestiality and all these like ridiculous things wow. because they wanted to destroy her. Right. And that blew her mind because, she, you know, she saw cynicism. She, she wasn't an idiot, but she really thought you could be positive. You could be a good person and, it would, and have that be enough. And it would work. And she oh, had, she had one of her, her first of many breakdowns. Yeah. But the interesting thing about her breakdown, which is different from Francis Farmer, who was just destroyed by her family and by the system, mm-hmm. um, by other uh, uh, actors who, who went in and out, but it had to be the secretive thing. She was not only very open about it, but she was very calm about. She she saw early on what what today people see about mental illnesses like this is essentially a disease right. and there are ways to handle it and and pointing fingers and 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 you know bashing people. Is the opposite of and, and so is Clara, the opposite of helpful. Clara Bow is really just someone who didn't care all that much what people thought of her. Right. And I know that's easy admire, to say. I if, admire that quality. I do. It it's easy so to rare. say if if you're um, if you're you know gorgeous, I guess. But it doesn't mean well. It was believe totally me, Joe. It is. It's, <laughs> 
Yeah. Can't be problematic. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. So anyway, so so she survived it, but but basically um, she she came out of 41 silent films. She started. She did like nine more talkies before she retired. She, she made yeah. Well, did she? And, and she did that. I, I, I admire that about her. She retired. She's like I, I've had enough of this. I'm well, gonna do something else. Well, initially a lot of things right? went into that. Yeah. But 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 then she comes back and makes two final films. She wasn't sure right. about it. So you know she had had many many affairs with men. She was open about. It. Um, and then she met this love of her life, this guy Rex, who tur- you know was a cowboy, mm-hmm. a totally different person than she. And they decided to retire in Palm Springs. They opened a diner in Hollywood, um, I think called the It Diner or yes, something. The it diner. But she was, and she she was sort of pulled back to make two more movies. Uh, but then she retired for good, for real Z's. And we're going to talk about the second to last movie. Yes. 1932's Call Her Savage. Call Her Savage. Which is an interesting film because I think Call Her Savage is... A, it's weirdly autobiographical. In a weird sense. way, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the film starts with, you know, this wagon train coming across the West and what we understand, the premise initially is this. Her mother's a, a sort of a timid woman mm-hmm. and her father is a guy who's just fucking everyone in sight. Right. And everyone knows it. Right. And in fact, at one point where when Indians start to attack the, the wagon... You know, circle the wagons. Um, the father's they given, literally. Yeah, I mean, that's literally from this movie. Yeah, right? is given to understand that his bad juju by slinging his dick around is what caused this whole thing. Right. Nonetheless, he's successful. He's a sort of not just if your dick could summon a Native American attack. And what would the Native Americans say? Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> nice balls. I don't know. Okay, okay. Anyway. <laughs> sorry. We call you a shrink with swimming pool. Yeah. So so. Um, but okay, and some time passes, and we understand that she's a kind of a wild one. You know, there's right. an opening scene where she's on a horse, mm-hmm. she's riding uh, bareback on a horse through some sort of wooded area. A, a snake sort of jumps out. She jumps off the horse and whips the Starts snake to death. Shit on the snake <laughs> with a wood. Quack, quack, quack. But she's a big problem, and she's a wild child. And her yeah. father, you know, who's got some sort of position in his area, won't really have it. Oh yeah, it's like railroads or something like that. He's yeah. big in railroads, so she's she's wealthy. She comes, she's coming from the dough. So he goes. To, he decides he's going to send her off to, to, to Chicago to fix her. Right. And when she hears it, it's like, great, there's another town I can ruin. Okay, Debrer, please don't throw me into the briar patch, Mr. Fox. Whatever exactly. You do, yes. Because right? that's her, like, she's a wild child sending her to Chicago, you silly bastard. You should have kept her amongst the sagebrushes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so even in Chicago, it's, it's, now it becomes, the film becomes a little more classically 1930s. Like, the bad girl, rich bad girl, is there and she's not doing what daddy wants. In fact, she goes to the man that he doesn't want. All right, because he's got someone like lined up for her, and right. she rejects the guy he's got lined up for this other guy. Right. And and at first, it's I think like, we might have missed a step actually. Yeah, please. Because there's the wagon train, and then there's the child of that one, and that's her mother, not her. This is the child of the people in the wagon train, and she has uh, has an affair with an Indian guy, and that's where we get her character from. Mm. And it, there's a eugenics quality that goes on in this, that this, that this Native American blood that's in her comes into play. It's one of the reasons why she is a wild child. I, you said this before. I don't get the eugenics aspect of it because, first of all, we don't dislike her for that. 
Oh, we don't dislike her for that necessarily, but a lot of her, be- but but there is a, there's certain hinting going on throughout the movie that maybe some of her behavior, certainly at the end when she's when she's being told that this yeah. happened, yeah. There, there's a there's a hint that maybe she just she couldn't have helped herself. It's just in her wild nature. To I still that understand that's a eugenics nature. argument. Well, because at the time eugenics was huge in uh, in uh, sort of socially eugenics being, of course, if you're if you're from like if you've got Native American blood, then you have certain things in you that are inherent to having Native American blood. One of them would be a wild, untamable nature. Yeah. Well, then, well, how does the eugenics pop out? I mean... I'm sorry? How does eu- eugenics I mean, pop out? That's what that is. Eugenics? Yeah. Yeah, the belief that, that, that your genetic material has an, out, has an outwardly manifest like that. I thought eugenics was the, the specific policy of dealing with that by getting rid of... Well, it's it's all part of the same theory thing. I mean, where you can, yeah. You oh, breathe, I thought eugenics was just that was was the answer to that. No, 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 no. So, just, no so, so, she, so, so she, she's got this problem in her genetic makeup that's there because of because of having a Native American uh, oh. uh, person, and so, so any, yeah. So, uh, I mean, normally, yeah, you're right. Eugenics would be used to try to sort of train that by who you breed with moving forward. Yeah. But it's all part of the same theory. Oh, I didn't think it was. I did not know that it was just a. Um, um, a distaste, a racial distaste, shall we say, for um, the product of race. Well, they didn't actually, yeah. It, well, it I thought it was the actual, like, like... That's the thing that's kind of hard for us to get our heads around. Bah, this is not. I don't, I don't know. Okay. But it's kind of hard for us to get our, our heads around. It wasn't necess- It didn't necessarily have that connotation back in the 30s, back in the connotation 20s of. and 30s, of distaste, necessarily. It was just considered a scientifically factual thing. If you had this, if you came from this, you had this in your genetic pool, you had a predisposition towards certain... That, that I follow you. I just didn't think, I didn't think that portion of it was the eugenics. I think eugenics was only the, the solution. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, uh, it's this whole uh, wide range of I didn't of know it was that there. first part as well. Yeah. Okay, so um, anyway, so I, I don't know why we need to know that now. I don't know. <laughs> well, what the hell? It's actually well, because the, I think it is a part it's of the... The ending of the movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. But okay. So so she's a wild woman, and and here's where it actually picks up for me because so far it's it's sort of like classic '30s rich girl thing, and but she marries a guy who we think is going to sort of take her out of this and be understanding. Right. And it turns out he's the craziest, like awful motherfucker ever. Right. So he tries to kill her. Yeah. He's sleeping with other women. Right. It's clear at some point that he goes down like to, on on their wedding night. Yeah. He goes out to he goes out to get some strange. And and um, at one point he goes down to New Orleans and and he's sort of doing his own thing down there and she goes to see him and he's like bedridden and he has I guess syphilis. I think syphilis is definitely one of the things they're trying not they're trying hard not to say syphilis on them. But but she all of these horrible things and then, happen. And somehow she jump, gets, she's pregnant. <laughs> it's like a weird jump cut. There's a little pregnant. bit of a jump cut there and and there's, there's a huge tragedy with the baby. Yeah. And then then all of a sudden she's she's got money because she's inherited something from a grandfather she never knew. And you know now, now she's back in the big city in, in New York, and there's another guy on the horizon who seems like right. he's going to be a good guy, but it, it looks turns like out, it, but not quite. Turns out that he's a he's a yeah, um, he can't handle her either. It's a, a moral quandary, right? Yep. And this is I think this is everything she, that she was going went on for her from birth. Yeah, yeah. There's that thing, like I said, there's a there's a meta autobiographical quality to this movie, which is yeah, that's kind of the the person she was, right? Yeah. But like just honestly, un, unabashedly, I am this person, and having a hard time making 
other people having other people be fucking okay with that, right? And and that's really and, and the caller savage, uh, of course, has this this, this not con- it's not a connotation, it's a denotation. It's yeah. it's you know it turns out that she is half Native American, right? right. So it explains her wild, untamable spirit, right, right, right. right. Um, so so yeah, you're right about that. But but even before that, like call her savage was just sort of like I think she's misunderstood, and and the sympathy. I don't think there's any other way to interpret it that we are meant to sympathize with her. Yeah. Consistently. And so so we're going against all the social mores of the time. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. Because everyone is is a dickhead. Yes. <laughs> who's, who's Ultimately a pillar are, of the yeah. social norm. Don't get me wrong. She's kind of an asshole. I mean, she's an asshole a bunch of times. Yeah. But but at the same time, that's the that is the quality of person that she is. There's that there's that side to her as well as the other side, which is really awesome. She's you know, really the, kind of a wonderful. I would person. say she's not even an asshole. She's someone who could drive you crazy. Yeah. Okay. By her, the type, you know, like well, her just like for instance, like her, that, that first marriage to the guy who turned out to be just a fucking monster. Yeah. She basically married the guy because her father was trying to marry her off to somebody else. So she's like, yeah, fuck you, dad. Yeah. Kind of bit her in the ass. Yeah, you, but you could say, but that's that's kind of the person she was. Yeah. Kind of a little bit, a little on the contrary side. You know, I, I have a confession to make to you. I, I did not understand that that the guy in the wagon trail was her grandfather. I thought that was her father. And I remember Again, it's really hard to follow. No, but I remember even thinking when I saw her father, like, boy. what? Wealth has changed him because he looks different. <laughs> it was a different actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't matter. No, it's yeah. All that these... part was kind of hard to follow. It was another kind of one of those jumpy jump 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 cut things. Yeah, we've done a lot of jumping here, but I mean, the point is really this: jump, like it jump. is, it is kind of. I think I like Color Savage more, but it is really? a better film. Oh no, I like it. I like the it girl. But they're both, I think, very very entertaining films. Yeah, it shows us uh, an obvious span is from Silent to Talkie. Mm-hmm. You see how someone is. Uh, Great in both of those worlds. Yes, you see, um, and, 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 and let's let, and use it as an opportunity to intersel, introduce yourself to an actor yeah. who needs to be remembered. She, she's kind of fallen off the table. Well, the re- there's lots of reasons, right? Like, so yeah. she was out of it by like 33, I guess. Yeah. So think about like television, right? By the time television comes around, ostensibly really she in does. the 50s. Are people she, interested in showing twenty-year-old movies? Right. Um, she didn't have any real say in what was done with the movies, um, and yeah, she and did then, a lot of her work pre-code too. And she did a lot of yeah, and uh, yeah, and she lived her life out. There's a, a the, the documentary I saw, one of them that I saw on her. Um, suggests that she lived in Culver City near the end. She mm-hmm. divorced the guy Rex, although they always remained friends. She made numerous visits, to year-long visits, to like a, a, a place in, in Connecticut to sort of uh, get her head straight. And she was that was just right. part of her reality as she knew it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were interviewing this guy. He must have been in his sixties, but he said he was a kid at the time when she lived in Culver City across the street from him. Mm-hmm. And she would invite neighbors over every once in a while to show a couple of reels from the old. And I thought, oh no. Is after she retired? Is this Gloria Swanson, you know, Sunset Boulevard? <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. She she wasn't, you know, yeah. weird about it. She sort of made fun of herself and people were kind of interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is when she this is before shortly before she died, like the last yeah. five years of her life. Uh, that's kind of cool. So every okay. aspect of her, you know, same with Hedy Lamar, I think. Like they turn out to be great old gals. Yeah. The only difference being this, Hedy Lamar, um, 
I think had bad plastic surgery toward the end and didn't want to go oh, outside and did really? have the Gloria Swanson like, no, oh, don't look at me. Shit. Um, because they fucked her over by not accepting the, the intelligence. Yeah. And because Clara Bow just was like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. You see older pictures, she's kind of heavy. She's mm-hmm. just living her life out and you're happy. She so had a happy life. Isn't that, isn't that the admirable way we should all sort of live in some way and, no, and almost never can? Well, it's always interesting too. It's to sort of like, um, how do you do it on your own? Because Everything she did to be a healthy person was 100% on her own. Not only without the aid of people, but sometimes against hundreds of people. How do you have that much self-confidence? And maybe it's just the answer is being that good looking. (laughs) Maybe maybe having the it. Maybe that's what what it gives you. It's kind of like Gloria. This is just a pet thing. Gloria Steinem, like, you know, I mean, she's 80 now or something. But like 25 years ago, it's like, we shouldn't be telling girls that looks are important. It's like, yeah, we shouldn't. But meanwhile, you're absolutely gorgeous, you know? <laughs> yeah, or like the, the Dalai Lama, who's like, you know, uh, possessions are. Yeah, you're staying at the Four Seasons, right? Uh, going you're, you're place the, to place in a limo. You're, you're the emperor of a country. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> anyway, so we went all over the place with this one, but I think it's because we just really, you know, enjoyed it. I truly, yeah. and, and surprising as I had no idea what to expect. Yeah, and it was genuinely delightful to watch this person work. Yeah, she's all right. That Clara Bow. Clara Bow, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't chop her up with a butcher knife. I wouldn't feed her to. My swine. Okay. <laughs> Listen, Tommy. Is that the new Cleveland steamer? <laughs> a feeder to my swine? Or a chopper up with a cleaver. One of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, enough. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> thanks for joining us. Indeed. Thank you. Finley's out. That's our 